To make a donation, visit biblicallycorrectpodcast.org slash donate. And if you enjoyed this episode, please like, share, and subscribe. Thank you for your support. Can we both logically and spiritually understand the Bible? Welcome to the Biblically Correct Podcast. Shalom, y'all. This is the Biblically Correct Podcast, teaching biblical correctness in a biblically incorrect world. My name is Kevin Jeffrey. I'm a Jewish follower of the Messiah Yeshua, Jesus, and I love teaching the scriptures. As unique individuals, we each see the Bible through the lens of our own experiences and dispositions. So if we're prone to be, say, more rationalistic and academic in our thinking, then we might tend to force our understanding of the Bible to fit within the confines of our own intellect and reasoning. On the other hand, if we're inclined to be more spiritual in our perspective, we might tend to set our understanding of the Bible free from any constraints of rational thought. Not only does neither extreme produce an accurate view of the Bible, but the Bible itself teaches us that we need to use a combination of both. We need both our minds and our spirits to correctly understand the Bible. So today I want to talk to both sides of you, the intellectual side and the spiritual side, and to encourage them both to be equally active in your walk with God and the way you approach the scriptures. You ready? Here we go. The Bible often associates reasoning with unbelieving Pharisees and doubting disciples, so it can tend to have a negative connotation in the minds of some believers. But saying that all reasoning is bad just because some reasoning is bad is itself an example of bad reasoning. When it comes to logic and reason, there's a big difference between rationalizing through human logic and simply just using our heads, just being logical. When we rationalize, we're thinking too highly of our own ability to reason. This is what Paul's criticizing in 1 Corinthians 3.19-20. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. For it has been written, it is God who is catching the wise in their craftiness. And again, Adonai knows the reasonings of the wise that they are vain. So worldly wisdom that thinks it can outsmart God is the kind of logic and reasoning that's contrary to the Bible. But when we simply use our brains and capacity to form coherent thoughts, we're just using the built-in stuff that God already gave us in our minds. That's nowhere near the same thing as looking at life through cold Spock-like logic or putting everything into a syllogism or formal argument, although sometimes we can. Using our minds doesn't mean that we're working against the Bible or the Holy Spirit. How can it? Especially given that Paul says in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, For God did not give us a ruach, a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Paul even used reason to persuade non-believers of the truth, as in Acts 18.4, And he was reasoning in the synagogue every Shabbat, persuading both Jews and Greeks. So it's not only okay, but right to use sound reasoning, to be logical in the way we approach the scriptures. Again, this assumes that we're reasoning correctly and not using bad, false logic. Logical fallacies, both formal and informal as they're called, can be found in the formation of unbiblical opinions and doctrines. This kind of thinking may seem internally consistent to the one using it, but it's often based on faulty, unfounded assumptions, or it uses inconsistently applied 
illogical reasoning. So while being able to recognize and refute bad logic doesn't help us to understand the scriptures, it does help us to defeat bad teaching and is a skill we can all benefit from cultivating. In fact, the Master Yeshua used sound logic and reasoning, especially when he was debating the Jewish religious leaders. For example, before Yeshua healed the paralytic in Mark 2, he told the man, your sins are forgiven. And the scribes who heard this felt that Yeshua was being blasphemous for saying it, that only God is able to forgive sins. So Yeshua said to them in verses 8 and 9, Why do you reason these things in your hearts? For which is easier, to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise up and take up your mat and walk? So by posing the question, which is easier, Yeshua was challenging the scribes to think correctly and logically. If I can demonstrate the ability and authority to physically heal the paralytic, which isn't easy, then logically, don't I have the ability and authority to forgive sins, which is easier? That's the essence of Yeshua's logical refutation here, also implying his oneness with God. And of course, Yeshua then healed the paralytic man, thus proving his point. Here's another example. In Matthew 22, the Sadducees were trying to use their superior logic on Yeshua to disprove the resurrection and the afterlife. So they posed a hypothetical to Yeshua about a childless woman who successively married seven brothers. When one brother would die, the next brother would then marry her as commanded in Torah. Then in verse 28, they asked Yeshua, Therefore, in the rising again, the resurrection, of which of the seven will she be the wife? So their argument is that there can't be a resurrection because if there is, then in the afterlife, there's also adultery or polygamy because the woman married all seven brothers. But Yeshua saw the fallacy in their argument. The Sadducees had made a faulty assumption, namely that there's marriage after the resurrection. And in verse 29, Yeshua answering said to them, You go astray, not knowing the scriptures, nor the power of God. For in the rising again, they do not marry, nor are they given in marriage. And in applying that reasoning, Yeshua instantly undermined the entire premise of the Sadducees' argument. He then went on to pose his own logical argument in verse 32, that because Adonai is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob— who all died, then there must be a resurrection, because God is not a God of dead men, but of the living. And having heard this, the crowds were astonished at his teaching. Yeshua blew them away with his logic. You use deductive reasoning every time you simply consider the context of Scripture. For example, how do you know that Yeshua is God in the flesh based on John chapter 1? It never says that. So what does it say? Well, in verse 1, it says that the Word was God, not Yeshua, but the Word. Then in verse 14, it says, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Again, the Word, not Yeshua. Then in verse 15, it says, Yochanan the Immerser, John the Baptist, testifies about him and has shouted, saying, this was he of whom I said, he who is coming after me has come in front of me, for before me he was." It still doesn't say Yeshua. In fact, never once does Scripture call Yeshua the Word. But you and I know full well that these verses are talking about Him. How do we know? 
because we know that Yohanan the Immerser was Yeshua's forerunner based on Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And we also know Yeshua's origin story about his miraculous birth as reported in Luke and Matthew. This puts John 1 into a familiar context. So then we can reason from what we know and deduce from John chapter 1 that Yeshua is the word who was God. Here's one last example. Some Christians say that there's no distinction between Jews and Gentiles in Messiah, that once a Jew believes in Jesus, then he's no longer a Jew, but a Christian. And they use Galatians 3.28 as their proof text. For as many as were immersed to Messiah, clothed themselves in Messiah, there is not here Jew or Greek. But the verse continues, there is not here slave nor free man. There is not here male and female, for you are all one in Messiah Yeshua. Now, is it logical to tell a slave who believes in Yeshua that he's no longer a literal slave, even though in his material reality, he hasn't been set free from slavery? Or is it logical to tell a man that since he's in Messiah, he's no longer physically a man or a woman that she's no longer actually a woman? Is it logical or even rational to deny basic biological reality? Of course not. So if in Messiah, slaves are still slaves, men are still men, and women are still women, then logically, Jews are still Jews. And for that matter, Gentiles are still Gentiles. The faulty premise is that Jewishness is analogous to being part of Judaism. But the existence of a Jewish religion that no longer takes precedence in the life of a Jewish believer doesn't negate the history, physical ethnicity, lineage, or heritage of a Jew. Therefore, believing in Yeshua doesn't make a Jew any less Jewish. What we believe doesn't alter our physical ethnicity any more than it can change our station in life or gender. So, not only is using logic and reason to understand the Bible necessary, it's often automatic— we do it without realizing it. There's also plenty of biblical precedent for being logical, as evidenced in the teachings of Yeshua. So whenever we come up against illogical conclusions, if we'll just use our heads a little, it turns out that reasonable, sensible answers are actually relatively easy to come by. So if we can reason our way to understanding God's Word, then why do we need the Spirit? Well, we need the Spirit because when it comes to the Bible— Logic and reason can only tell us what the Bible says. We need the Spirit to reveal to our minds and convince our hearts that what it says is true. The first way the Holy Spirit does this is through demonstrations of power. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 2, verses 4-5, through My word and my proclaiming was not in persuasive words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Ruach, the Spirit, and of power so that your faith may not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. So when Paul would reason with people, persuading them about Yeshua, showing them in the scriptures, his teachings would also be backed up by displays of spiritual power, such as healing the sick, raising the dead, and more. Paul says that this was done so that our faith would be in God's power, not in human wisdom. We become convinced in our hearts about the truth of God's word then, not only because we mentally agree with what the Bible says, but because the Spirit testifies to its truth through the demonstration of God's spiritual things in our lives, not the least of which is the change that we experience within ourselves when we begin to wholeheartedly follow Yeshua.
The Holy Spirit also convinces us that God's word is true by spiritually revealing it to our minds. This is what we more commonly encounter when we're seeking to understand the Bible. Continuing in 1 Corinthians 2, picking up in verse 10. But God revealed his deep things to us through the Ruach, the Spirit, so that we may know the things bestowed on us by God. Things not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the Ruach, with spiritual things comparing spiritual things. Now, the natural man does not receive the things of the Ruach Elohim, the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he is not able to know them because they need to be spiritually examined. So Paul says that the natural man who only understands things based on human wisdom can't receive the things of the Spirit and is unable to know them, their foolishness to him. Only when we believe and receive the Spirit of Messiah can we be taught by the Spirit and enabled to spiritually examine and know such spiritual things. So applying this principle to understanding the Bible, reading the words and comprehending the sentences and concepts is only one step to knowing the things of God. The Spirit of God must then reveal to us and spiritually teach our minds the truth of what we've read. Yeshua himself confirms this in John chapter 14, verse 26. The Advocate, the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and remind you of all things that I said to you. And also in chapter 16, verse 13, but when he comes, the Ruach HaAmet, the Spirit of Truth, he will guide you into all the truth. The Holy Spirit is our teacher and guide. God reveals and leads us into the truth by his Spirit. For instance, oftentimes when I'm preparing a teaching like this one, I'll be researching and studying the scriptures, and I'll feel like I'm close to connecting the dots, but my full understanding is out of reach. So I'll pray that God will illuminate my mind to what I'm reading. And then suddenly, something will spark that causes me to either see how all the different verses connect and explain each other, or I remember other passages that I'd forgotten to look at that pull the entire topic together. When that happens, it certainly feels as if I've been spiritually guided in my understanding. Paul also teaches us in Romans 8 to not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Ruach, or to be led by the Ruach. He's exhorting us to depend on the Spirit to guide us in and remind us of God's Word, or as Paul puts it here, to submit our minds to the Torah of God. This is another way the Spirit guides us into truth. We're to walk in the Spirit so that we won't follow our natural inclinations and walk contrary to God's commands. So, we read the Scriptures and learn God's Word. Then when we're faced with a decision or choice, the Spirit reminds us, either in our spirits or in our minds, of what the Word says is righteous and good and permissible, and then spiritually strengthens our spirit and guides us in the practical application of the Word. Paul also says in Romans chapter 2, verses 14 through 15, that when those who are in Messiah naturally do the righteous things of the Torah, it's because the Torah has been written in their hearts with their conscience bearing witness to their actions. This is what it means to be guided and taught by the Holy Spirit. Now, there's another way to look at all of this. Could being taught by the Holy Spirit instead mean that the Spirit will teach us things in addition to to what's already revealed in the Word. 
I don't mean as in manifesting spiritual gifts such as words of prophecy or wisdom or knowledge for the edification of another person as Paul describes in 1 Corinthians 12. That's not what being taught or guided by the Spirit is referring to. What I mean is, could the Spirit teach us things concerning the truth about God or what we should believe or what a particular scripture means that goes beyond what the Bible says? Sure, it could mean that. God could give us visions and dreams and revelations and spiritual insights apart from the Bible. But here's the problem. Who's to say that your revelation was from God? If the Spirit can teach you things that aren't in alignment with the Bible, then by what objective standard can someone verify its truthfulness? This is how we get things like end-of-the-world predictions, false prophets, the Book of Mormon, certain new charismatic phenomena, things like that. But also, God showed me I was supposed to do this, or God showed me what this Bible verse means, can easily fall into this category as well. Saying that we have a new revelation from God is by nature subjective. So logically, we need an objective standard by which to judge what we believe we've spiritually received. And the most obvious choice for that is the Bible. So if you believe that the written word of God is Genesis through Revelation, that the Bible alone is the solely authoritative written record of his word, then when God gives you new spiritual insight or interpretation or revelation, the Spirit may be teaching something that's new to you, but he won't be teaching something that's new altogether. If we believe that the Bible alone is the completed revelation of his word, then we can't also believe that God teaches new meanings or gives us new information about his word through his spirit, especially in light of the warning that goes from one end of the book to the other. Do not add to the word which I am commanding you, nor diminish from it, to keep the commands of Adonai your God which I am commanding you, Deuteronomy 4.2, and also Revelation 22.18-19. I testify to everyone who is hearing the words of the prophecy of this scroll. If anyone adds to these, God will add to him the plagues that have been written in this scroll. And if anyone takes away from the words of the scroll of this prophecy, God will take away his part from the tree of the life. The truth that's revealed or taught to us by the Spirit of God won't go beyond or contradict Scripture. It'll be able to be objectively confirmed, verified, and found in agreement with his word. Correctly understanding the Bible, then, and putting God's word into practice requires us to rely on both the revelation of the truth by the Holy Spirit as well as our God-given ability to reason logically. While human rationalizations and worldly wisdom are most certainly contrary to the Bible, simply using our heads and common-sense reasoning and logic is in no way working against the Scriptures or the Holy Spirit. Both Paul and Yeshua repeatedly used sound logic and reasoning to persuade people of the truth and to confront anti-biblical teachings. But the scriptures also teach us that without the Spirit teaching, guiding, testifying, and revealing the truth to our hearts and minds, we could never truly or fully understand God's word or his will. Paul prays for us along these lines in Colossians chapter 1 verse 9. We also do not stop praying for you, and asking that you may be filled with the full knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. He also exhorts us in Ephesians 4, 17 and 23 to walk no longer in the futility of your mind, but to be renewed in the Ruach, the spirit 
of your mind. And of the spiritual man who's received the spirit of God, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 2.16, for who has known the mind of Adonai that he will instruct him? But we, we have the mind of Messiah. Though we read the word with basic logic and reason, the understanding is still spiritual. The Spirit renews our minds with Messiah's mind, not so that we can add to God's word, but so that the wisdom we use to understand it will be biblical rather than worldly. So don't confine God's word to the limits of your own intellect, but also don't liberate the Bible from the constraints of rational thought. Use your capacity for sound reasoning to understand what the Bible says. Then allow the Spirit of God to reveal to your mind how everything it says is the truth. Thanks for joining me for this episode of the Biblically Correct Podcast. If you like this episode and want to see us make more, then we need your help. Visit our website at biblicallycorrectpodcast.org to support the work of Perfect Work Ministries and MJMI with your much-needed donations. And of course, don't forget to like, share, comment, subscribe, and ring the bell to receive notifications whenever a new episode is posted. If you have any questions about this teaching, or if there are any other topics you'd like to see me cover, leave me a comment or shoot me an email at kevin at perfectword.org. That's kevin at perfectword.org. Until next time, remember that every scripture is God-breathed and profitable for teaching, for refuting, for setting a right, and for instruction that is in righteousness, so that the man of God may be fully equipped, having been completed for every good act. Shalom. Shalom.